Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. We're talking about friendship, about uh, sisterhood in the Lord, and what that means and what it looks like. Uh, I think that after the last uh, couple years that we've endured... Um, you know, our, our relationships with one another in, in the church uh, have taken on a different meaning for us all. Um, and and I, I'll start off just by reflecting on that a bit. Um, you know, when the pandemic first came on the scene in, you know, the spring of 2020, it was, it was a really kind of surreal thing. I'm sure you can relate to that. I, I felt like I was living in the middle of like a dystopian novel that my teenage sons like to read um but what was really strange to me was just the idea of not meeting together in person as the church um and so in that that very first couple of weeks in march um as everything sort of started to to shut down um it seemed to happen in slow motion at my own church uh the first week, my pastor said, okay, um, come to church only if you're healthy, and we're going to spread out and um, leave space between families, so sit in family units, basically. And so that Sunday, you know, maybe, I don't know, less than a fifth of our of our church arrived, um, and that seemed strange to me. But then the next Sunday, my pastor announced that it would just be the... Um, the worship team and and himself that would be there on Sunday. Everyone else stay at home, and we're gonna live stream this. Um, and but I had to go that Sunday uh, because my son uh, was handling the slides and all that for the um, for the service. And I was the literally the only person sitting in the pews um, because there was the worship team and then me. And I. I could feel like my eyes start to burn a little bit because I was like, this is so weird. What is going on? Um, but then by the next Sunday, um, they they had decided, okay, everything's going to be done virtually. Everybody stay at home. And the church had shut its doors. Um, and then every Sunday after that, you know, I got into my Oh, I was in my pajamas or <laughs> half the time, uh, watching, you know, church from the comfort of my couch. And by the time Easter Sunday rolled around that time that year, I remember watching the service and crying the whole way through. Um, I cried because I missed hearing my my brothers and sisters in Christ sing hymns to the Lord. Um, I cried because. I wanted to hear, you know, the word preached in person. I, I cried because I, I just missed um, the gathered body of Christ. And so I think if there's one thing that we've probably learned from these last couple of years, it's just that we need each other 
uh, we need our church body, we need our brothers and sisters. Um, and so we're going to be talking about what does that mean that we are sisters in the Lord? Why do we need one another? And so we're going to talk about um, our relationships with one another, um, which is rooted in our relationship with Christ. Uh, we're going to talk about what it looks like um, to live out the realities of this relationship that we have. And so as I describe friendship, it's going to be a bit different than um, perhaps other friendships that we might have. Um, because we all have friends from different uh circumstances and seasons of our life um you know you may still have friends you knew in kindergarten or <laughs> elementary school you probably have friends that you've made in in work or in your neighborhoods um we have friends we make just over common interests and and shared experiences so but i i thought i'd start off by sharing um some stories of friendship in my own life um, I don't know if any of you remember your best friend from elementary school, and I do, and uh, her name was Tracy, and so we were best friends in like about the fifth or sixth grade, uh, and every afternoon after school, we would go home and we would immediately get on the phone and talk to each other, and these were the days when phones were um, connected to the wall. I don't know if you remember those. Uh, <laughs> and in order for me to have any privacy to talk, um, there was a, a phone in the hallway outside my bedroom. But I had to like pull it as far as it would go and then snake that twisty cord underneath <laughs> the door of my, of my bedroom um, just to uh, talk without my little sister hearing me. Um, and our, I remember the phone well. It was like that mustard color yellow of of days gone by. <laughs> and so uh, our conversations were centered, of course, on uh, what we would wear the next day to school because we wanted to coordinate our outfits. Uh, <laughs> and then when we were at school um, during recess, we would climb up to the top of the monkey bars. That was our our space and uh, we would sit up there and of course we would talk about boys and the latest issue of Tiger Beat magazine I don't know if anyone remembers that um, but one day my friend Tracy invited a new girl up to join us on those monkey bars I didn't like that because that that messed with our perfectly even number of two that we had going on um, and so I wasn't, I wasn't very kind to that new girl, and uh, it ended up straining my relationship with Tracy. And then uh, by the end of the next year, we had stopped hanging out altogether. So then in middle school, my best friend, um, her name was Mandy, and uh, we would hang out at each other's house after school. Um, mostly I liked to hang out at her house because she had... Um, the fancy uh, wood encased television uh, <laughs> and uh, she she had cable TV which we did not have and so we could watch all our favorite um, music videos of the big hair bands and we could eat junk food which my parents didn't allow um, and so you know after we had been friends for a while I started inviting her to youth group at my church um, and 
you know, she, she was coming regularly. Um, but by the fall of my freshman year in high school, I got really, really sick and I was gone from school for a couple of months and that's like a lifetime when you're a teenager. And so when I returned back to school, my best friend had joined up with this other group of girls um, and they were doing everything together and I, I, try, I wasn't really included. And uh, this group of girls actually started making fun of me for my faith including my best friend. And so I ended up spending the rest of that year uh, by myself. And so I share these two uh, stories from my past just to, to show that, you know, friendship is hard, as we all know. Um, I've uh, certainly hurt people, and I've been hurt. Uh, and so I've really struggled to figure out how, how does friendship work? How do I... Um, work through these hard things and how do I keep friendships uh, from that matter. But I do want to share a third story. And this one um, happened, uh, well, 18 years ago, because my son is about 18 now. And uh, this is about um, a husband and wife, um, friends of ours from when we lived in South Florida. Uh, my oldest was um, a baby and my husband and I were at rock bottom in our marriage. Uh, parenthood had hit us hard. I suffered from postpartum depression. Um, and so we were just not functioning well at all. And one Sunday, um, the husband from this couple uh, went up to my husband and asked him how he was doing, which is something we all do on Sunday mornings when we see each other. Uh, but instead of saying the normal response, I'm fine, how are you? <laughs> my husband told um, our friend, he told him, well, no, we're not doing well at all. We're, we're really struggling. And so um, our friend and his wife immediately uh, stepped in and they said, uh, from now on for the foreseeable future, we are coming over to your house um, once a week to watch your son so the two of you can uh, go out together. Um, and." you know, work on your marriage. And so um, this couple stepped into our life at, at a, a really uh, crisis point and met a great need for us. They, they truly served us um, as a brother and sister in Christ. I don't know if you're familiar with C.S. Lewis, who um, wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He, he also uh, wrote a book called The Four Loves, and in that book he describes different kinds of relationships, and one of those is friendship. And he describes friendship as born at the moment when one man says to another, what, you too? I thought no one else but myself. You know what that's like when you maybe meet somebody from uh, the same small town that you're from, or um, you find out that someone happens to love the same genre of, of books that you do, or they, they work in the same field. And so you feel that kind of immediate connection with someone. And while most friendships do start with this kind of common interest, uh, C.S. Lewis describes Christian friendship a bit differently. He says, in friendship, we think we've chosen our peers. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, 
the choice of one university over another, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for the Christian, he says, there are no chances. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to the disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. So let's think about this friendship, this chosen friendship that uh, the Lord has ordained for us with one another. As, as Darcy said, you know, you are here for a reason. The Lord placed you here, and he placed you uh, with these sisters. So we're going to um, start off. Um, I, I typically call this first session the why of sisterhood. Why are we sisters in Christ? And so we're going to dig a little bit into the scriptures to see um, what the Bible tells us about how we become sisters. And so that's kind of our theological uh, foundation that's going to um, push us forward into all the practical stuff that we'll start talking about in the next sessions. So I'm going to be referring to John uh, chapter 17, uh, verses 20 to 23, uh, which I think is printed there for you. Now, this is Jesus praying. In verse 20, he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so the world may believe that you've sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you've loved me. So this passage comes from uh, what's often called Jesus' high priestly prayer. Uh, it's a prayer that he prayed uh, the night before he was betrayed. You may remember that he had gathered with his disciples for that final meal together where he uh, instituted uh, what we now call uh, communion, where he told them about the Holy Spirit who would be coming, um, where he described how he was the vine and we are the branches and we are to abide with him. Um, and so after he had like this, um, all these kind of final lessons uh, for his disciples, he prayed a prayer. Uh, and, and so in John 17, we see this prayer. And the prayer is kind of divided into three parts. He first prays for himself. Uh, then he prays specifically for the disciples. And then in the section that I read, he's praying specifically for those who will come to faith after the disciples, which is us. So he's praying for us here. And so in this passage, we see uh, it's all about unity. Uh, Jesus is talking about his unity with the Father. He's talking about our unity with him and about our unity with one another. And uh, that's what I want to dig into. So first, Jesus talks about his unity with the Father. He says in verse 21, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Uh, we know that Jesus is fully God and fully man. He is God in the flesh. Um, Hebrews tells us that he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Before time began, 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit live together as a three-in-one community. And their relationship with one another is one of mutual glorification, where the Father glorifies the Son, the Son glorifies the Father, the, the Spirit glorifies the Son. Um, it, it's a relationship that's one of uh, self-giving love, each one delighting in, adoring, honoring, treasuring, and glorifying the other. Uh, and our uh, triune God were uh, present at creation when God said, let us make man in our image. So God is the original community, uh, and he created us to image and reflect him. We are to uh, mirror God, uh, to do the things that he does. Um, and we do this in, in our work, when we, when we labor each day, we do it in our rest, when we pause from our labors, we, we do it when we create uh, things, when we invent new things. Um, but we also image God when we are in community with one another. So when we, we reflect him, when we serve one another, when we honor others, um, God is a relational being, and he made us to be in relationship with him and with one another. So that's the first uh, thing that Jesus is praying about here. Second, um, he uh, talks about our unity with himself. In verse 21, he says that they also may be in us. And in verse 26, he says that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So as believers in Christ, we are united to him. Um, and this seems strange. What does it mean to be united with Christ? Um, and it, it's a really important doctrine that we often don't think about or maybe overlook. But it's really a doctrine that um, all, all that we know about our salvation hinges upon it. Uh, it's foundational. When Jesus uh, left the halls of heaven and, and wrapped himself in human flesh, he united himself to us by taking on humanity. He then went on to live a perfect life, um, obeying God in all things. He died a sacrificial death, taking that punishment that we deserved. Um, and so through the gift of faith in Christ and all that he did for us, both in his life and in his death, we are united to him. And what this means is that everything that he has is now ours. His perfect life is ours. God looks at us and he, he sees Jesus as righteousness. Uh, his sacrificial death is ours. God accepts that payment as though we paid it ourselves. Um, and so I don't know... Um, Darcy mentioned being a, a homeschooler. I was a homeschooler for many years and uh, I... As a writer, I enjoyed uh, teaching my kids um, language arts, grammar, um, and I, I had a um, a busy boy. Well, one of my sons was really busy and active, and so I had to come up with some creative ways to uh, <laughs> keep him engaged as, as we learned our lessons. I remember um, teaching them prepositions. Um, if you don't remember what those are, uh, those are those words that kind of connect uh, things in, in our sentences, help us understand the relationship between items. You know, um, I dropped my pen on the floor. On is a preposition. And so 
as I was teaching him these, uh, we had a um, just a big area rug in our in our homeschool room, and I would tell him, you know, to uh, stand on the rug or stand beside it. Um, these are all prepositions to put his foot over the rug or under it. But what he really loved was when I would tell him that he could roll himself up in the rug like a burrito. <laughs> so that's that's uh, he loved that. And so that word in is just two little letters, um, but it's an important preposition that the Apostle Paul uses throughout uh, his letters in the New Testament. And over and over, we see Paul telling us that we are in Christ. And this is a reference to our unity that Jesus prayed about in John 17. Uh, If you were to get out your um, colored pencils and do a study on you know, Paul's letters, even in the book of Ephesians, you would be circling this, this phrase over and over and over, um, because Paul talks about it a lot. And he, he shows us that, um, all the benefits of our salvation are, uh, linked with this truth that we are in Christ for our salvation is in Christ. Our sanctification is in Christ and our future glorification is in Christ. Um, the author of the book, United with Christ, he says, uh, uh, Rankin Wilborn is his name. He says, when we are in Christ, every part of Christ's life, not only his death, has significance for us. We share in his life and obedience, his death and his resurrection. We participate in another's victory. And so it is this unity that we have with Christ that creates and shapes our unity with one another. And so for our note takers, I want you to remember this. So I'll say it again. It is our unity with Christ that creates and shapes our unity with one another. So if you look at verse 21, Jesus prays that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So Jesus uh, is united to the Father, we're united to Christ and to one another. In verse 23, he says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them, even as you've loved me. So Jesus didn't just die for me. He died for all of his people. And though we come to faith uh, as an individual, once we uh, are a believer, we immediately become part of the family of God. Uh, We are adopted as uh, children of the Father, and and Christ becomes our elder brother. Believers past, present, and those in the future are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, And being adopted uh, in Christ means that God loves us just as much as he loves his son, and he's going to share with us all that he has. Uh, I've I've walked with several friends through uh, a journey of adoption. Um, I had one friend in particular who... Uh, started out her journey um, through foster care. Uh, So she took in uh, a foster, a set of um, siblings, three uh, siblings through the foster care system. 
that lived with my friend and her husband for about a year. And as her friend, you know, I got to really know these children and, and loved them. Um, but the children's uh, parents had completed the uh, requirements that the state had for them. And so these children had to go back home uh, with their parents, uh, which was hard on my friend. It was um, just a hard thing because she had become really connected and bonded with them. Uh, many months went by, and then the state uh, called my friend again and said, I, we're going to need you to take these children back. And they did. They came back to my, my friend's house. And about a year later, my friend and her husband adopted um, this, this group of children. And I was able to go to the ceremony or the legal proceedings that they had at the courthouse um, for when these children uh, became officially their children. And it was a beautiful thing to witness, to hear uh, the judge tell the children, uh, you are now part of this family. This is your new last name. Um, and these children now, as part of my friend's family, they have all the rights and privileges that come with being part of their family. They call her mom and, and her husband dad. And you know when they're hurt, they know who they can go to for help. Uh, when they're hungry, they know that they're going to be fed. Um, and so this uh, adoption uh, picture that we often see in, in real life it, when families adopt is, is a picture that's pr pretty uh, appropriate of what it's like for us as we are adopted into uh, the family of God. Um, and so every we are all adopted children. And we are all siblings in the household of God. And we share the same father. And I think that's why the New Testament often uses familial language. When they talk about um, our relationships with one another, they often will say brother or sister. Um, and that's really why I called my book uh, Closer Than a Sister, because we are all sisters. Uh, we are united to one another in the family of God. And the relationship that we have with each other actually goes deeper than uh, the DNA that we might share with um, our biological uh, family because we share the blood of Christ and we're united together for all eternity. We're going to spend forever with our sisters uh, here in, in heaven worshiping our Savior. And so... You might wonder, you know, what does all this mean? What does this union with Christ have to do with what we're talking about today, about friendship, about our relationships? And the reality is that it's a foundational truth that really shapes everything about how we uh, interact with each other and, and how we, um, it really changes things. Um, anytime that you uh, unite uh, people together for something, it changes things. I think about when I first got married and, and how my name changed um, and how I became part of this new family and had to learn all their new uh, rhythms and ways of doing things. I learned how um, they make great-grandma's lasagna and how they their unique ways of, you know, exchanging gifts at Christmas. And, you know, my husband and I had to learn about, um, you know, dealing with our finances together and our time and and just um, sharing a new life together. And so in a similar way, being united to one another, 
um, in Christ changes things. We're now part of this long heritage that goes back to God's promise to Abraham to be a father of many nations. You know, all the, the traditions and rhythms of God's people is, is now ours. Uh, that weekly Sunday uh, gathering, the communion meal, the singing together hymns as we did this morning, is all ours now. And so I want to focus on three uh, specific things that, that this unity that we have with one another um, brings to us. Um, and it's really important to remember these as we interact with each other and as we deal with kind of the practical aspects of our of our relationships. And the first thing to note is that we are united in status. Uh, so we are all adopted children of the Father. We're uh, all co-heirs with Christ. We, uh, we come to this status the same way, by grace, through faith. We're all sinners in need of forgiveness. Uh, no one in this room has it all together. Um, we don't come to God because of, uh, you know, something special that we've done. Um, he chose each one of us in love. And God has no favorites among his children. And so this means that, you know, as we live and work together in the church, um, we don't need to compare ourselves to one another. Uh, we don't need to look at someone else who might seem to know her Bible better than we do or may have a, um, a gift that is more prominent than ours as being more important in the kingdom of God. We all have the same status before God. We all need to drink from the well of grace. We all need to be sanctified. Um, so we're equally needy and equally loved. And so remembering this status helps us as we go about the business of doing church because when we forget that we're united, uh, we tend to get involved in things like um, gossip and comparison and judgment and um, just disunity in the church, which we'll talk about later. The second aspect of our unity that I want to um, focus on is that we are united in our purpose. Um, in John 17, in that passage I read, uh, Jesus tells us that there is a goal to our uh, unity. And the goal is that the world would know who Christ is and that God sent him. Uh, Francis Schaeffer was um, an apologist, and he called this the final apologetic. Our unity with one another in the church is a living message to the world of who Jesus is and what he came to do. Our unity has a gospel purpose, to spread the good news to the world. We, we know that Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples. Um, and so we're not to keep this good news to ourselves, but to uh, share it with family and friends and neighbors and coworkers and, you know, even beyond the borders of our town, our state, and our country. But I think what speaks... Um, loudly to the world, even more than the words that we say to people about Jesus, is our uh, actions toward one another. Because when, uh, as when the church talks about the love and, and the grace of God, but we don't have love for one another, um, think about the impact that makes uh, to the world. So our unity with one another serves to tell the world about Jesus. 
And so that's why it's so important that we keep and preserve our unity because the world is watching us. And so we'll be talking about that as well. Third, we are united in love. Uh, In John 17, Jesus prayed that the world would know that God loves us as he loves the Son. Um, And at the end of John 17, he prayed that the love with which God loved him would be in us. So we all share in the same love. The same love that the Father has for the Son uh, is in us. We're loved by the same God and we're united in that love. Uh, We share the same love for God and for one another. Uh, We love each other because we're fellow adopted children of the Father. Uh, The Apostle John wrote in 1 John, he said, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Whoever loves God must love his brother. So we have to remember this love uh, which unites us especially when challenges come in our relationships, when we uh, disagree with one another. Um, We have to remember this common bond of love uh, that holds us together. And so this, um, the purpose of this session is really to give us that foundation of understanding our unity with Christ and with one another. Because as we talk about specifics about what it looks like to be uh, a sister in Christ, uh, we're going to keep referring back to that because um, because we're united to Christ and one another, our relationships do look a certain way. Uh, we are going to do certain things for one another. We're going to show our love for one another in specific ways. And so that's what we'll talk about in the next session. So I'm just going to close this in prayer. And then uh, I believe there are discussion questions on, on your outline. Oh, in the back. Okay. And so you um, just at your table, kind of go through them, um, talking about what all, what all this means. What does it mean for us to be united to Christ and one another? Father in heaven, I thank you um, for this group of ladies, for these sisters in Christ. Um, I don't know them all personally, but I know they are my sisters, and I, I do look forward to getting to know them. And I, I thank you for this church and its witness uh, to the community of who you are and what you've done. I pray that um, as we talk about this topic, that you would uh, you just unite us uh, closer to one another and help us to be that shining light uh, so the world would know uh, who Jesus is. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.